Thank you. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Acts chapter 20. And uh, do appreciate every time the opportunity to come and preach uh, to the chapel uh, here. It's always a blessing, always a great privilege. Thank you, Brother Getch and administration. Uh, one of the reasons that we are out here specifically this week is, uh, oh, a couple of years ago, our church has always been passionate about planning churches. I, I just believe the biblical model is churches send out men to plant churches. And so uh, 22 years ago, we planted uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church there. And uh, through the years now, we have five different men out pastoring from our place. But two years ago on our 20th anniversary, I really got burdened and, and told our church there are some 20 different things that I'd like to see God do through our church in the next 20 years. And one of those was to start 10 different churches from our congregation, us sending men out. And so the last two years, we've started two uh, successfully, one up in Gallatin, Tennessee, near Nashville, and then we sent our son out about 45 minutes from us across the, the bay, Mobile Bay, and they're both running over 100, both just on the verge of being self-sufficient. And so James is our third in this span. He has been on our staff for 12 years and felt God's call. And so uh, we've been out uh, down in Irvine uh, prospecting and surveying and getting an idea of location and living arrangements and gonna be working uh, together with the college here and other churches. And so we're excited about that. And uh, let us read a verse and then we'll pray and have you sit again. Verse seven there, Acts chapter 20. The Bible says, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your love for us. We're thankful that, uh, Lord, you use us. You use the churches that these students are from. You are using, uh, Lord, this church in a remarkable way. And we thank you that we have the opportunity. We thank you as we approach uh, the celebration of your resurrection. We, Lord, thank you that we serve a living Savior. We thank you that you're in the world uh, today at work in our lives and in the lives of our uh, churches. I pray that you'll bless this service, this message. Encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated there. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension, the... Uh, the churches there in the early uh, days began meeting on the first day of the week, and we've continued that tradition all the way to our day. Uh, they did that as a celebration. As we celebrate on Easter this Sunday, they, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of our Savior. Uh, Paul had come here to Philippi across the Aegean Sea to Troas, and word spread and people came. You can imagine what a guest speaker to have Paul uh, coming, and they packed the building out, and uh, they were excited to hear what Paul had to say. This was his last stop before traveling to Ephesus and then possibly to Jerusalem at that time for the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, in fact, look at verse 8 of Acts chapter 20, and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. 
<clears throat> and I like that because that, that's what the church is. It's the gathered uh, body. It's, uh, it's God's people gathering locally, uh, serving locally through their church. And so they gather together. These early churches in the book of Acts would have been more like house churches like we have in some of our closed countries, China and other places where uh, they would just open up a family's home. They would jam everyone in as best they could and they'd have church and they'd preach and they did that all over. This particular home had multiple stories and they all gathered on the upper floor, which was probably a wide open space for this purpose. They'd probably cleared it out and they gathered together there and uh, to meet and hear the word of God preached. Look at verse nine. And there sat in a window, a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And of course, we know uh, the rest of the story. He was revived. They, they thought he was dead. He was very, uh, very uh, mistaken as dead, but he lived through this. And because of the crowd, this young man, probably typical uh, church uh, young a uh, young fella that was used to going to church now here in these early days, looking forward to hearing Paul preach. Uh, he, because of the crowd, sat in the window on a ledge, and of course those windows would have been open. And uh, because Paul preached long, I, I reassured Dr. Getch, I'm not really a long-winded preacher. I, uh, for 22 years, our folks know we get the plane up in the air, we get done what needs to get done, then we land it. We bring it into the hangar, and we close it down and we go home. There's no sense circling the runway a hundred times. And so uh, we don't have to worry about that this morning. But because Paul preached long, uh, Eutychus got sleepy. He began to sink down with sleep and he fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And so again, because of the crowd, Eutychus uh, got in the window ledge, uh, fell asleep, and he fell out the window. Uh, he fell all the way out, at least three stories up, the third loft, the Bible says, and uh, had such injury that the Bible said he was taken up dead. Now, uh, let, me, let me give you some progression here, and let me give you some application to us. And I'm not just preaching to college students and young people. I'm preaching to myself. Us older folks uh, have to be aware of these same things. But the first thing I want us to see in the passage is Eutychus was sitting in a dangerous spot in verse 9. Look there again, and there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. And uh, you can imagine the crowd that turned out to hear Paul. You can imagine the excitement uh, as they gathered and, they, and the buzz in the crowd. And uh, they probably had a record attendance that night to come and hear the great uh, missionary evangelist. Nobody wanted to miss, including Eutychus. And the crowd was so large that Eutychus, being younger, he could, he could easily climb up into the window ledge to, to get uh, probably a good vantage point to hear the apostle. Paul, and uh, he did that. The problem was he fell asleep. Now, we're not told why. Uh, big reason why is Paul preached till midnight, and as he uh, got drowsy, uh, he slumped down, the Bible said, and, uh, and the one thing we know for sure about Eutychus is sitting in a window ledge, an open window, three stories up, 
is a dangerous place to be. And I think if you were sitting there, one thing you'd want to be sure to do is be alert. You'd want to be aware. You'd want to be on guard. You'd want to guard against what actually happened to Eutychus, and that was falling asleep and falling out. Now, I want to say this. The older I get, and I think it's natural, I think your parents would be the same way. I think uh, other older folks in your congregations would be the same way. Uh, The older I get, the less risk I like to take. I I think when you're younger, uh, you are okay with taking risk. I think the older you get, uh, you have a little more to lose. There are a few more people counting on you, and we just get uh, I, I've tried to fight against that. I, I tell our church, you know, an older church and an older preacher and older people, we still need to step out on faith. We still need uh, to launch out. We can't get so afraid of taking chances or risk that we just uh, kind of close up shop. And so, but, but the natural tendency is when you're young, uh, sometimes you can think, Uh, that nothing bad is ever going to happen, almost an invincibility, nothing ever will go wrong. But I think after you've lived a while and seen, again, this is a natural progression, you've seen enough tragedy in your life, you've uh, seen that uh, things do happen, you become a little more risk averse, a little more cautious, maybe a little more realistic. I don't try anymore. Now we used to, and we still we still try to do things that are uh, fun and, and enjoyable and exciting and thrilling. But anymore at the stage I'm at, I don't try to get as close as I can to the edge and see how close I can get without falling over. I remember one year uh, we uh, we. Uh, we're living in California. We served in Moreno Valley for eight years before leaving to plant the church in Mobile. And one year we planned a family vacation where we would leave early enough in the morning. I think we left two o'clock in the morning or so. And we were going to drive to the Grand Canyon to catch sunrise at the Grand Canyon. I want to tell you, getting up that early, getting the kids together and making that trip that early was all worth it when you saw the sun begin to rise over that beautiful uh, chasm and I remember being there and that was back in the day before a lot of selfies and things like that but even then there were folks seeing how close they could get to the edge uh, trying to get those shots of the chasm behind them and we had our young children at that time and that was just not us we were stepping back a little ways we made sure there was a there was a a railing between us we were keeping the kids back away from that that would have been hard to explain to their grandparents that we came back with one less grandkid. And so that just happens. But I want us to understand this morning, uh, we too are living in a dangerous time. Uh, we're living in a dangerous place. Look at 2 Timothy. Well, I'll read that. You can turn there if you want to. We're going to come back to Acts. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul uh, wrote to Timothy, he said, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The root word of that word perilous is our word peril, uh, which means danger. And we live in dangerous times for young people. Hey, hey, thank the Lord though, in dangerous times 
where sin did abound, grace does much more abound and churches can still be planted. People will still get saved on Easter. We're expecting huge crowds on Easter. We're going to preach a very clear gospel message and we're expecting God to do some exciting things, even though we're living in dangerous times. I think it's a dangerous time for college students. I think it's a dangerous time for believers. And it's important that we understand the dangerous time. It would have been one thing if Eutychus would have realized, you know, I'm going to sit in this window ledge and there is some danger inherent in this. It's open. It's three stories at least down. I need to be remain vigilant and aware of that. But Eutychus didn't. Uh, Eutychus, the second part of the progression was, is he sat in a dangerous place, but then he fell asleep. He fell asleep. He completely let his guard down. He completely was unaware of the danger associated with that. You know, whenever I have, whenever I do uh, get drowsy, maybe, it's usually because I've lost interest. I don't know if, if because of the preaching long, uh, Eutychus, as a young person, got a little inattentive. Uh, a young preacher asked John Wesley what time, one time what he should do when his congregation fell asleep. And John Wesley said, someone needs to wake the preacher up. And so uh, what we need to understand is uh, that, uh, that he fell asleep here. I, I like this because we don't know why, uh, but and I don't know what it is about us. We get into dangerous spots and then to compound things, we can get spiritually drowsy. Uh, we can get spiritually unaware. We can be spiritually sleepy. Uh, Jonah did this. In fact, take your Bibles, keep your spot there in, uh, in Acts 20, but look at Jonah chapter one and verse four. And the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, a great storm, a very dangerous season. Not only was Jonah running from the will of God, but now he was endangering others with his rebellion against the Lord, and it was a dangerous time. It was a dangerous time for him personally. It was a dangerous time for everyone that was around him, and so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. Uh, the unsaved mariners were more aware of the danger at this moment than Jonah was. Jonah was fast asleep. We'll see here in a minute. They cried every man unto his God. They didn't have the answer and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. By the way, if you, uh, if you read that passage as Jonah, he went down to the seaside. He, he just started a down word trajectory when he turned his back on the will of God. He went down to the seaside. It says he went down into the bottom of the ship. Uh, here in just a moment, the mariners cast him overboard. He went down into the depths of the sea, down into the fish's belly. And so Jonah was just completely unaware and asleep. Look at the rest of that verse. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? You know, Jonah should have been, his testimony should have been, you prophet, you preacher, you evangelist, you man of God. Uh, but because he was asleep, uh, in the midst of dangerous times, he became known as the sleeper. They said, arise, call upon thy God. 
And uh, he was so backslidden and oblivious to the danger he was putting himself in by the decisions he was making, by the road he was going down, by his disdain for the will of God for his life. Uh, he just went right to sleep, putting everybody in danger. I want to say this, when any of us of any age begin dabbling with sin, we begin to stray from the will of God. We need to be wide awake that we're putting ourselves in danger. We're putting our families in danger. We're living in a dangerous spot. Sin has a way of desensitizing us to the dangers that we're facing. It has a way of lulling us to sleep uh, so that our guard is down. Any sense of the danger that we're in, uh, we're just not aware of. And I just want to say this, it's bad enough, Eutychus sat in a dangerous place. He might could have gotten away with it if he hadn't gone to sleep. That's why Paul said to the Romans in Romans 13 and verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, uh, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And the truth of it is, I think Jesus' return is closer. We know it's closer than it's ever been. And uh, I, I think we just need to be more committed to the things of God. We need to be more focused on the things of God. And so Eutychus sat in a dangerous spot. Eutychus then fell asleep in that dangerous spot. And then thirdly this morning, he just fell completely out of the window. I mean, everything just fell right out. Uh, to what they thought was his death. Uh, if only he'd fallen in the window. I was thinking about this, you know, uh, if he'd fallen in, there's a huge difference between falling all the way out, at least three stories down to what they thought was his death and then falling in, which still may have hurt. He still would have probably been embarrassed. He still would have had bumps and bruises, but inside probably was his family. Inside probably were the church leaders, the people that loved him, people that could have helped him get up, dust himself off, and get right back on track. Uh, but he fell completely out. Uh, if he had fallen in, uh, there were people to help him. But falling out, it may have been a moment or two before they even realized, where'd Eutychus go? Uh, I don't see him at the windowsill. I'm preaching to church kids and church. I mean, you've grown up in church. Many of you are preachers, kids. Any of you get left at church? Did any of your parents leave you at church at some point or another? I think that's universal. Uh, you know, uh, dad thinks that uh, mom has them and she thinks we've, we've left our kids numerous times. Thank the Lord we had staff people living on the property there. We have a couple houses there and uh, we got a phone call even before we got home. So no harm, no foul. And we made sure our kids did not feel unloved and neglected and they're serving in ministry. So we think that uh, they got over that. But I, I think probably they looked around and said, where in the world do Eutychus go? And it took them a while before somebody looked out and saw him laying uh, what they thought was dead uh, down below. I'm just saying there's a big difference between falling out and falling in. And uh, I, I, we see, I think, in our day, and I think it's universal, we see too many, uh, too many Christians falling completely out the window and, and just completely out of the will of God, completely out of any kind of relationship with the Lord, any kind of walk with God, any kind of engagement and involvement in their local church, and just completely out. I think we see too many, uh, too many college students, and one is too many, that just fall completely out, and young people that just fall 
completely out. We're living in a weird day where we're seeing older preachers just falling completely out of the window. And I'm just saying this, the fact is we're going to make mistakes along the way. We're going to make some poor choices along the way. But there's a huge difference between falling completely out into the world, away from church, away from God, away from every loving relationship that you have and uh, where your church and family and friends are and falling inside uh, where you have folks to help you. I, I was thinking of the prodigal son. And he absolutely fell completely out. He began pushing back against parents and hanging out with the wrong crowd. And to make it worse, he fell asleep and fell out of the proverbial window and woke up in the hog pen, uh, having lost everything, had it wasted everything. The Bible says in riotous living, and thank the Lord, he came to himself and, and uh, his father was there waiting for him. And, and we thank the Lord for that. Samson was in a dangerous place. Uh, messing around with the Philistines, the enemies of God's people, uh, e even uh, messing around with the strange women, literally fell asleep in Delilah's lap. And he woke up with no power. In fact, he woke up bound. Sin always binds you. He woke up blind. Sin has a way of blinding uh, Christian people to its dangers, to its insidious infiltration into our lives. And then he woke up broken. And by the way, sin uh, will bind us and blind us and break us. Uh, sin always takes you farther than you ever wanted to go, than you ever thought you'd go. Once you begin down that road, uh, you kind of lose all, uh, all ability to control how far sin takes you. And by the way, sin makes you stay in its bondage a lot longer than you ever intended to stay. You won't, you won't be able to control. I know, I know we think we can at the beginning. We'll just dabble a little bit. We'll just mess around for a little while and then we'll get back on track. The problem is it takes you further than you ever wanted to go, makes you stay longer than you ever wanted to stay. And I'll tell you, the price for sin uh, is far higher than we ever intended to pay. And so uh, just, to, just to see there, uh, Eutychus uh, was in a dangerous spot. Uh, that, that's one thing. I mean, we're living in perilous times and when we, there, there are situations and circumstances, but, but we're aware and we're vigilant. We're, we're, we're looking out uh, because we know that the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, but, then, uh, but then Eutychus fell asleep. Uh, not only was he in a dangerous spot, he was completely unaware, lulled into complacency and absolutely fell asleep. And then he fell completely out which would have been far worse than falling in. So let me close with this. The, the question to me that begs to be answered is, why did Eutychus fall all the way out and not kind of fall in, where the damage would have been far less, the recovery much easier, embarrassed a little bit, but safe and secure among people that love him? I, I think the answer is, uh, science. I think there was just, the, the, remember we read the passage where he slumped down, sunk down in sleep? I think as he did, just more of his mass, more of his body weight got outside the window, then was inside the window. And I think when Moore got outside, he fell out instead of falling in. He wasn't leaning in like he should have. Let me say that again. He wasn't leaning in to the preaching he wasn't leaning in 
to the engagement. He wasn't leaning in to what was going on in the church. He wasn't leaning in. Man, here's the Apostle Paul. I want to hear what God's doing. I want to hear the report of how churches are getting started. People are getting saved. He wasn't leaning in like he should have. Have you ever noticed when you're engaged in something, you just automatically find yourself kind of leaning in? You just kind of on the edge of your seat a little bit. You're just kind of anticipating, involved mentally, spiritually, engaged emotionally. You're just kind of leaning in. Uh, I see that's a completely different uh, posture than when we kind of get disengaged, when we're, when we're not, uh, not in, engaged in what's happening. We kind of lean back. Uh, we kind of sink down. That's what Eutychus did, and that's what we need to avoid. I want to live my Christian life leaning in, sitting on the edge of my seat, looking forward to what God has in store, anticipating what God's going to do this Sunday for Easter. We're going to have a big soul winning day on Saturday and getting out, and we've sent mail outs. We've done all the preparation work and all the things that you're talking about doing, we're doing and have done, and I'm anticipating leaning in to to see what God is going to do. By the way, for from the day I got saved, I've been leaning in. I've been putting my shoulder up against the work of God and, and have been leaning in. For 22 years, uh, we've been leaning in in Mobile, Alabama and Theodore, Alabama and, and, and letting God use us in whatever capacity to build uh, the church of God there. Uh, and so for the last, uh, all that time, but especially the last two years, we're leaning in uh, to getting church has started, to sending uh, young preachers out of our ministry and, and helping preachers to plant churches. We're leaning in. Lean in. Uh, some way is the way that we live the Christian life. Leaning in ought to be our approach to church and ministry and family life. Lean into your college experience. Lean in to your preparation for ministry. All of it's important. Uh, learning how the church is doing Easter preparation is vital to your future ministry. And so lean into it, get involved in it. Uh, we, we're filling, I don't know how many, something like five, six to maybe 10,000 eggs. And, uh, and there, it, it takes more than just a couple assistant pastors sitting in an office filling 10,000 eggs. It takes organization to get the congregation involved, to get the lay uh, people involved. And the more you can get the congregation involved, the more they're leaning in uh, to Easter. Man, we're leaning in all over our congregation uh, for Easter. Everybody predominantly is anticipating what God is going to do. But I find so often uh, we, we just don't have that leaning in posture for the work of God. We're just a little more casual about it than I think what we ought to be. And if we're not careful, we might end up in the same predicament that Eutychus uh, found himself in. We, we live in a day when it's almost on trend to be aloof when it comes to engaging in ministry. It's almost, it's almost cool to be, uh, to be uh, just to have a lackadaisical approach or to be uh, disengaged. And I don't want to seem too interested or too excited or don't want to seem too involved. And I want to tell you something, that's absolutely opposite of what God wants you and I to be. He wants us to be leaning in uh, to the ministry that he's called us to. Uh, lean into it. Put your shoulder into it. 
Uh, you can't get anything done. I, I like what Paul, Paul leaned into it when he wrote to the Philippians when he said, this one thing I do. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. That's the definition of leaning in. I'm not letting anything cause me to sink down or to draw back. He said, I'm leaning in. The next verse starts, I press toward the mark. That's leaning in. That's what every one of us ought to be doing. Uh, I like what Luke 9, 62, Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow, that's leaning in, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's sinking down. That's pulling away. That's disengaging. That's the wrong uh, spiritual posture. That's the wrong emotional posture. That's the wrong physical posture that God wants us to have. He wants us to be leaning in. By the way, let me say this and we'll be done. Uh, lean in, but even if you do fall out, there is still hope in the Lord. Look at verse 10 back in Acts chapter 20. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, I trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day. So he departed and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. I can imagine they were, there was a revival going on because Eutychus is alive and a, kind of a cautionary tale. I think, you know, we don't, have to, we don't have to experience what Eutychus did to learn the lesson that God gives us in his word about Eutychus. We can just, we don't have to, we don't have to sit in that dangerous place and then fall asleep and then, and then disengage and fall out. We can lean in. And I want to say this, and I'm going to close in prayer. America needs this student body to lean in like it never has before. America needs it. This world needs it. Our churches need it. I want to tell you just a little bit about our, our church. We have, uh, we average about 900 on a Sunday with our Spanish, Korean, all the different things that we have going on. We have a Christian school of about 350. We have 50 uh, employees and staff of uh, all different kinds of school and church and so forth. And we're pretty good at retaining staff. Brother Kim's been with us for 12 years. Uh, we've got a couple folks been with us 20 of the 22 years, uh, just a bunch that have been with us 14, 15, 16 years. But can I tell you, as, as much as we try to put an emphasis on taking care of staff, paying them well, retraining them, treating them well, every year, uh, we need two or three or four help, people to come help us, teach, uh, work. We, get, we need to find a Korean pastor now. Those don't grow on trees out behind the building, that's for sure. And so we're having to pray and ask God to help us. And I want to tell you something. You're the answer. You're the answer. You getting through college, out into ministry, out actually into the work in local churches or on a mission field by leaning in that's the answer that God's looking for. Hey, we pray for you. We admire you. We admire uh, the work here and the ministry here. We've benefited from it. Our students have benefited from it, and we thank you. Let's pray together.